Good morning. Good morning, Middle. Uh, again, my name is Reverend Bertram Johnson. I'm the Minister of Care and Spiritual Development, and it's my honor to welcome you to this time of song and prayer and word and worship and focusing our hearts and our minds on the God who draw, drew us here today. Please join me in this time of worship. Lord, in your scripture, it says that if God is for us, who can be against us? And God, we are grateful today that you are a God who is for each of us. You're for people who are in this room today and people who are hungering for thirst and hunger and thirst for righteousness and love and justice. God, help us to be reshaped and transformed so that when we leave this place, we share in your work of radical love and re revolutionary justice for these people and for all your people. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 going to be opening up Hispanic Heritage Month with a little Si Tu Puedes Cántalo here. Woo! Thank you. Thank I love the enthusiasm. Yes. You know, you always don't get that. But I got it this morning. So that was my gift. I'm going to take that. It says, Si Tu Puedes Cántalo.
Thank you, Gospel Ensemble, helping us celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. We get to have all of our young and young at heart friends join me right now up on the blanket. I see Brooks and Skylar and Zane and Tomoki and Soraya. Oh, and we care friends right behind me too. Hi guys. If you were here with us last week, we talked about family separation. We talked about prayer and protest being connected with family separation. We thought about and prayed about kids praying for kids where kids are coming in to the U.S. at our southern border and being separated from our families, we proclaimed and will continue to proclaim, reunite every child. Reunite every child. This is our continual prayer and protest. I have a question for you, though. As we think about kids missing their families, have you heard the word refugee before? Yes? No? Yes and no? Do you know what a refugee is? Soraya, do you want to give me any definition? I see you nodding. No? A refugee is someone who has to flee their homeland because of safety. So they leave their homeland and go somewhere else. Did you know that Jesus was a refugee? Jesus, with his parents, had to leave this, this area where he was born, his homeland. He had to leave Bethlehem and go to Egypt. That, I'm showing you on my little globe here. We can get some eyes on here. This is where, so see, he went from this little green country to the purple country. He had to leave with his family because it was not safe where he was. And that is the same story we hear in the news a lot today, that kids and their families are leaving a homeland, a place that's familiar, having to go somewhere really unfamiliar because every parent wants their kid to be safe. So Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, they took Jesus, even when he was like a baby, maybe like a toddler, and took him to Egypt. We don't know if he had to leave his family. We don't have those details. But we do know that it was a story of having to move, a story of uncertainty. So when we think about kids right now, when we pray and protest, reunite every child, we can think about Jesus' own refugee story, his family's story of seeking safety. And we can keep that in our minds as we explore even just who Jesus was, how important that is, that the beginning of his life was it about travel and escaping and probably a lot of uncertainty in a new place? So let's keep that in mind as we listen to today's sermon and as we pray together right now. Do you want to hold the globe for us while we pray even? We can link up arms. Dear God, we remember Jesus and his family as refugees. And we remember people today, seeking safety in a new place. Amen. All right, we're going to sing Sia Humba in a cool, maybe new to you way today. John, take it away. Yes. So, in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month, and, and I just want to thank you like I thank the folks at 930, 
It is a great thing, and I don't take it for granted as someone who leads music when you sing in other languages. Some people are hesitant to like, that's not my language, that's not the language I learned, right? But one of the ways that we kind of walk in other people's shoes is, is we kind of, we feel what their language is, we taste their food, we, we circulate among folks that are not like us, and this is one small step we can do in kind of tasting uh, Hispanic heritage. It says, marcharemos, marcharemos. En, la en la luz de Dios. Marcharemos, marcharemos. En, la luz de Dios. en la luz de Dios. And the second part is just, marcharemos, marcharemos. Marcharemos, marcharemos. marcharemos en la luz de Dios. And if you get lost, it's here. You don't have to remember it. Look at Jesus, look how that worked out. Here we go. Marcharemos. the Gospel Ensemble. Woo. Boom Boom and Dion, we thank you that your spirit is in this house this morning. Um, my name is Christina Fleming and I'm the Director of Communications here. The Senior Minister, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, is in New Mexico this morning. She's teaching uh, at a retreat with uh, Father Richard Rohr there and she'll be back late tonight. Um, if we can just wave to everyone who's joining us online, um, we welcome you to Middle Church, whether you're worshiping with us in Arizona or on 10th Street. Um, and are there any visitors with us this morning who might be your first time here? You might be an extrovert and willing to raise your hand. Thank you. Where are you visiting from? Where, where are you visiting from? Barcelona. Barcelona. Welcome. We're all jealous. <laughs> uh, uh, where else are we visiting from? Just, 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 great. Brooklyn or South Bronx? We're glad you're here. Bronx is in the house. Um, and behind, I see you're pointing at beautiful people. Okay. Anyone else want to share where they're from? Yeah, where are you visiting from? Bowling Green, Ohio. Great. Wonderful. Welcome. And if you, um, if you are visiting us from Barcelona or Bowling Green, you can join us every Sunday at 1145. And we also encourage anyone to check out our YouTube channel as well. Um, the announcements uh, of events coming up are behind us. We're experimenting with that. 
this, uh, this fall. So if, and all of the announcements of what's coming up are in the middle of your bulletin and online. So we want you, this to be your church, so please do come to small group events or ways to serve. We're gonna continue to worship God, but welcome to Hispanic Heritage and Homecoming Month at Middle Church. We're so glad you're here. Thank you, Christina. Whether you're here sitting in the sanctuary or watching online, I invite you to take a posture of prayer that feels right for you. And in doing so, I invite you to open your mind, maybe quiet your mind and open your heart to a deeper experience of the presence of God with us right now. And as I pray, I hope that these would be your words also. Holy mystery, we come before you this morning as humbly and as honestly as we know how. Some of us are joyful this morning. We are on vacation and traveling and exploring the world and all the many beauty, that, uh, the many beautiful offerings that exist. And some of us are hurting God. We're longing for healing in our bodies and in our minds. We long for work. We hope and pray for justice and meaningful relationships and peace. Yet in every situation, we seek to draw closer to you just by being here, God. It's a sign that we want to know you more fully in our hearts and in our world. Holy One, by your grace, help us to know you and to say with confidence that you are our God. As we begin Hispanic Heritage Month, we pray for the dignity, the safety, and the liberation of your children in Guatemala, El Salvador, and Mexico, at the U.S. border, and throughout the Americas. God, we confess that it's the sins of our imperialism that has robbed them of land and security and wealth and safety and brought instability to countless families throughout the region. God, as we are confronted by the realities of climate change and the hurricanes in the Carolinas, we also continue to pay, pray for our siblings in Puerto Rico and for those who grieve the thousands of lives that were lost there just a year ago. God, we pray for people in the Carolinas who are removed from their homes and some of who had no place to go. And we will continue to pray and act and hope for children and families that have been separated, that they be returned, that their hearts be healed and restored as only you can. God, we pray also for Botham Jean who was shot in his Dallas apartment last week. We pray for Nia Wilson, who was stabbed to death in Oakland at a train station this summer. And God, we pray that you would change us, that we would not be a, a world that's so shaped by racial violence or by sexism or oppression, that, that we would be a people who are committed to justice for all people, for healing and safety for all people. God, give us the strength to follow you and to proclaim your justice, your radical, revolutionary love in all places. 
We pray these things, trusting in your holy names. Amen. And now I invite you to stand as we as a body pray the prayer that Jesus taught us in whatever language or voice or tradition that feels most honest and authentic for you, saying, ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the grace of the the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The peace of God be with each of you. And friends, I invite you to turn to your neighbor and share Christ's peace with those around you.
You're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. of my contentment, hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. When I've lost my direction, your compass for my way. You're the fire and light when nights are long and cold. In sadness, you are the laughter that shatters all of my fears. When I'm all alone, your hand is there to hold oh, oh, oh. In the simple things in life, you're the music in the meadows and in the streams, the voices of the children, my family and my home, you're the source and finish of my highest dreams. Oh, 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 oh Jesus, Jesus.
my Just briefly, on Thursday, September 20th, this Thursday, marks the first anniversary of Hurricane Maria wreaking havoc on Puerto Rico. Uh, we will, through the Collective Action for Puerto Rico, which includes the Collegiate Churches, Union, Theological Seminary, and Intersections International, be participating in an interfaith service at St. Bart's, uh, beginning at 6 p.m. Uh, it's a vigil, followed by a march to Trump Tower. Uh, marcharemos en la luz de Dios on Thursday. So we invite you to join us. Listen now for these words from God, from the, Mar from the book of Mark, uh, chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. And he called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Esta es la palabra de Dios, palabra de Dios para el pueblo de Dios. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let the church say amen for Jorge. Thank you to Jorge and Edna and Michael and all the others who have continued to keep us uh, focused on uh, Puerto Rico 
I appreciate all the prayers and texts about asking about uh, North Carolina. Just being in North Carolina, I'm going to put my stopwatch on. Uh, I'm going to try to get, get it tight to, for this one. Uh, yeah, all my family and, uh, that uh, I've heard of so far is safe and uh, avoided the, the worst of it. Um, how many of y'all know that this is the house of God because you're here? So why don't you uh, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Why don't you uh, turn around and say, I'm so glad you're here to the people online. It is good to be in the house of God this morning. It is refreshing. Uh, let the church say amen for our uh, choir this morning. Bring us joy. It's like a cool sip of water sometimes to come to Middle Church. Uh, please pray with me. Oh, holy creator God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to be in your presence because we're in your people's presence. We thank you for teaching us through your people, knowing that as we learn more about one another, we learn about you, and as we learn about you, we learn more about one another. We ask that you move through this worship experience and let us leave different than how we came. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord who is our rock and our redeemer. We pray all these things in your mighty, loving, and tender names and in the name of the one we call Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, shepherd and lamb of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, so the scripture today uh, comes at the beginning of the second half of Mark. It's kind of like the fulcrum that the whole gospel uh, sits on uh, with these questions. And what I noticed uh, in the, uh, when I first read it was these three words, on the way. Uh, and I also noticed a lot of rebuking happening. Uh, and so with those two things, you know, going on a journey and being rebuked, I, of course, had to go to my childhood. Uh, <laughs> And like many of you, you may have had a, a parent or someone when you went on a trip or was headed somewhere fun, would, uh, if you started to act wrong, would turn around and say, uh, if you don't cut it out, I'm going to turn this car right around. You ever hear that? <laughs> Dave, Dave, I don't know how y'all do it here in New York, but maybe turn the cart around or something. <laughs> but, uh, so we, we, we got hip to that pretty quick, you know, because usually we were going somewhere we wanted to go. It was fun. You know, it was going to be a drive-through or a movie or something. And so we said, all right, so we gotta, we'll, we'll behave on the way. But on the way back, <laughs> there's, you know, the, what, you know, what's she going to do? <laughs> well, uh, I, as I'll say, like the disciples, we didn't understand my mother. Uh, so she, she figured that out pretty quick, too, and just dropped us off. Uh, the moment we got uh, about a mile and a half away from home. Uh, and so I guess the, the, first, the first point of this uh, scripture is that discipleship happens on the way. You get rebuked and learn on the way. If we were fighting beforehand, by the time we got dropped off, we were, we were definitely on the same side, me and my brothers, because we had to figure out how to get home. The first time we, we waited about 30 minutes saying, she's going to come back for us. But we were just like those disciples, confused, misunderstanding. Uh, yes, but we made it home, always. Love you, Mom. 
so that is the first, the first point of the scripture is that discipleship happens on the way. This is the first of three different, uh, what Chad Myers calls uh, cycles. Uh, cycles of announcement and misunderstanding. Jesus announcing who Jesus is and the disciples not understanding it at all. And it goes from uh, chapter 8 today, then it goes to chapter 9, and then it goes to chapter 10. Uh, Jesus having to do this over and over again. But let's start with this question. As I said, the, the, the questions that, the fulcrum, that are the fulcrum of this gospel message of Mark. Uh, the first question is, who do people say that I am? And now this is not a rhetorical question. This is not a throwaway question saying, all right, let's get all this junk out, whether everyone's talking about me, everyone's saying these different things, you know, let's just get that out of the way. Uh, it is actually uh, important to understand what the context is uh, of the world, to read the world as a text. And in fact, the answers are very relevant. Uh, we take for granted knowing Jesus' story, who Jesus is and symbolizes today, but back then you could not have understood Jesus without understanding John the Baptist and Elijah and the other prophets and the Hebrew culture and, uh, that Jesus comes out of. Uh, and so the answers are relevant. And I think relevant for today. So uh, who do people say Jesus is today? I'll let you think of your own experiences, uh, your own billboards you've seen, uh, messages you get through songs. I picked a few to highlight. Um, the first being in popular Christian culture, we often see Jesus as the lover. Jesus as that special friend, that boyfriend, girlfriend, sweetheart, uh, partner, uh, I don't know if you have any friends that say, I'm going to go home and snuggle with Jesus tonight. Uh, I got some weird friends, maybe. Uh, but it's in, the, it's in the music, too. There's a popular song out there. I think it's popular. I wouldn't know, I guess. Uh, but it says, uh, uh, your love is extravagant. I feel like moving to the rhythm of your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. They're talking about Jesus. Right there. It makes you blush a little bit, thinking about Jesus like that. Um, so that's one way we often find that uh, Jesus in popular culture is a, is a special lover. The other one we find is a white superhero of capitalism uh, who rides around in a sleigh with reindeer, blessing the good people with gifts and uh, cursing the bad people of poverty, sickness, and trials. Uh, often Jesus gets mixed up into uh, mixed metaphors. Uh, we see him in Neo from The Matrix, uh, who is the one who is, uh, comes and saves the world and kicks everyone's butt, uh, and that's the Messiah. That's who we see Jesus as today. We might see Jesus as the way, the truth, and the light. Only those who say the right words about Jesus are getting into heaven. Uh, that's not exactly what John 3.16 says, but that's usually what it means when people quote it at you. I can remember in, uh, uh, having to do a school report with those uh, encyclopedias, we had, you know, the physical encyclopedias, um, and on Vietnam was my country, and I noticed that Vietnam was, um, I can't remember, this may have been high school or middle school, 90% uh, Buddhist. And I said, well, this, this, this God and this Jesus that I've been learning about, is, is, are they really going to send 90% of Vietnamese people to hell and send 70-something percent of uh, people in the U.S. to heaven? Uh, that didn't make much sense to me then. It still doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, a little closer to home, we see Jesus as a silly obsession of people 
who aren't smart enough or brave enough to come up with their own explanations about how the world works or why there's suffering and pain. Our Marxist friends will say Jesus is the opiate of the people, the hope dope that keeps people in their place thinking only of the great by and by, worried about avoiding hell while ignoring the hell people are going through right here on earth. Or Jesus might have some good moral lessons that are on point, but his name has been used far more for destruction and bad than good in the world, so it's better we leave him to the masses. So yes, Jesus wanted his disciples, just as he wants us to consider, who do people say that I am? He knew what we know now, that messages about who Jesus is will have an impact on us, regardless of our faith tradition, regardless of where we are. If you live in U.S. culture, the, the messages about who Jesus is will seep down to you. So it's important to identify them, even if this was not an exhaustive list, uh, and talk about them. And uh, as we'll find out later, they're not necessarily all false either. Um, but Peter steps forward in that moment and, and gives an answer. Who is Jesus to me? That's really what Jesus is after anyway. This is pretext to Jesus' questions. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. And we, we might think that Peter's going to get congratulated. Finally, the disciples have gotten something right. Uh, they've spent most of the Gospels getting it all wrong. And so it's a little dis disappointing when uh, Jesus sternly orders uh, him, them to not tell anyone about this news that they've figured out. And in fact, sternly orders is just the same word, literally, uh, for rebuke. So Jesus rebukes them for saying the right thing, which we think Jesus is Messiah, right? Uh, Jorge read a, a different translation that says Jesus is Christ. It's the same Christ in Greek, Messiah in Hebrew, the anointed one. Uh, so it's hard to understand that rebuke without the next one that's coming. And the next one's the doozy. Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, what he does in, in response to this Messiah is that he changes, it to, he changes his name to Son of Man. Jesus says the Son of Man will have to go through great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So we hear that Peter takes him aside, that's polite of him, and, and rebukes Jesus, uh, which doesn't go well. Because Jesus turns to the whole disciples and tells Peter, uh, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind on divine things, not on, uh, not on divine things, but on human things. So what in the world could Peter have done so wrong to be called Satan? Uh, what, what made him so terrible? This is the rock that the church was built on, an all-star disciple. Uh, he was being polite. He was trying to get it right. Uh, I imagine Peter uh, telling Jesus, I thought we just agreed that you were the Messiah, right? You were the Christ, the anointed one. We've been doing all these miracles up through chapters 1 through 7 uh, and most of 8. Uh, things have been going well. Uh, we're getting a following. We might make some changes. The authorities might start giving us some compromises. You know, we might get some things out of them if we really get this power. Uh, but as you can tell, Peter is operating from an uh, empire mindset. Because the models for messiahs, then as now, uh, were limited. And Jesus certainly didn't fit them. 
The model for what a Messiah, a deified human being, could be was Caesar, uh, the one who made uh, himself uh, a god, the savior of the world who was going to spread the peace of Rome everywhere. Uh, the peace of Rome, by any means necessary. It's uh, the Pax Romana, like the Pax Americana, the, the general in Vietnam says about the village, we had to destroy the village in order to save it. That's the model for salvation that we're given in the world. It's the model that we're given with Neo in The Matrix. I love The Matrix. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, but it is deep that that's still the model 2,000 years later of what a savior can look like for us. It has to be someone who can beat up everyone else. And that's what they were expecting. This, the, the, uh, Peter's the Jewish people. He's seen all these people being hurt, being uh, abused and, and beaten down. And now this Messiah is here. It's not strange that Peter wants a military Messiah, wants someone to come and set things right. So, but this still doesn't exactly explain why, uh, why he says he calls him Satan for this. Um, and I think what it is is that uh, there's something very dangerous about saying the right thing for the wrong reason. Uh, doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Michelle Alexander gives the example of uh, legalizing marijuana, oftentimes being done for the right, uh, the right thing, but it's for the wrong reason. It's used because, oh, we can make money off of it. We can uh, get taxes from it. Uh, not that marijuana laws have been used like Rockefeller laws here in New York to uh, imprison millions of people and keep them in jail. Uh, and so that's... And all that does is it makes a movement feel like it's one uh, when it hasn't actually addressed what's deeper in happening. Um, and so I think that's why Jesus goes off on Peter, because that is really dangerous. This is, I mean, Jesus knows Jesus is going to die. And so these are the people who are going to spread the message, and he wants him to get it right. Uh, because he's right, it is Messiah, uh, but uh, not the one they were looking for. And I think one thing that uh, Jesus gives a, a hint about why Peter gets it wrong is that the line, setting your mind... Because they tell, uh, he tells Peter, your problem is that you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And this word, setting your mind, is hard to translate into English. Uh, but it, I think it's a key to uncovering these riddles. The word is phroneo, uh, according to the concordance. Uh, and it means properly to regulate from within as inner perspective and insight that shows itself corresponding outward behavior. Another way he says that it's, it's one's opinions enfleshed in the outside. And this idea is difficult to translate into English because it combines the visceral and the cognitive aspects of thinking and living. The word comes from friend, which is the same word where we get diaphragm. So the things that give us the very life that uh, pushes breath in inside and out of us. This is where, uh, this is what Jesus is asking for Peter. So Peter, he's saying that your, your mind is set, your very being is set on things human, on empire things, on empire theology and ideology, and not on divine justice uh, and the love that I'm trying to live out. So yes, the good news of Jesus must be taught and must be caught as well. Jesus knows Jesus wouldn't be teaching it if Jesus didn't think that it could be taught. But what we realize also that it must be caught. 
If God is the agape, disinterested love that loves us no matter what, what we do then, uh, and is always there, Jesus is the interested love that meets us right where we are. There's actually not a singular term for good news, is there? Can't say it's good news. Uh, it's always plural. It's always happening. It's always finding us in our place and changes all the time. That's why the Bible isn't the only place we can look. Because uh, only a first century text can't tell us all about 21st century. Uh, so we got to keep exegeting the world. And also, uh, you know, Peter, uh, Jesus changes to the Son of Man after being called Messiah, just to make this point. And Son of Man sounds, I was talking to Alex after worship earlier, it's, it's this lofty term, Son of Man, like it's this big deal, uh, a spiritual thing, when all that really translates to is the human one. So Jesus is responding to Peter's desire for a Caesar-like, a Neo-like Savior, and instead says that, no, I'm the human one. And if that wasn't disappointing enough, uh, that in order to follow Jesus, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross, and then you can follow them. In these same chapters, it says that the first will be last, the last will be first, which is really actually impossible. Uh, it is these paradoxes. The greatest among you are the least. If you want to save your life, you must lose it first. Now, this is not the formula of faith that we hear about Jesus so often. The formula often goes, if you want to get it down to a tweet, Jesus died for our sins, and if we believe in him, then we'll be forgiven, and we can get eternal life. And that's a wrap. But that's a formula. That's not faith. It's a formula that's not faith. It's got echoes of the faith, but it's not the good news. Because that, like, us, like Peter, wanted Jesus of the miracles, the ones where you can do A, B, and equal C. The one where you can get the things right, and then it's all going to be good. Jesus, uh, Peter wanted those first seven chapters of Jesus. Uh, healing people, getting the magic fix. And really, we actually want that type of Jesus even on the cross. We want it to be so that we can just throw our sins and dump them all on Jesus. And then they get turned to uh, white as snow somehow. Uh, and then they get given back or not to us, or they disappear. And the thing is, just like when Peter said, the Messiah, it's true. Uh, but it's not, it's not everything. Because that actually, that desire is so that we can get out of what this good news asks of us. Because Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. And to pick up your cross and follow Jesus means necessarily a confrontation with the powers that be, with the state. And there is nothing uh, uh, you know, beautiful and in itself about that cross. We want that cross to be what we praise but that's like praising the electric chair. That's like worshiping uh, tools of destruction. Uh, so Jesus uses cross not lightly. Uh, it is, it was just around this time, there's 2,000 Jewish people crucified. Uh, it was the torture uh, of choice of the Roman Empire to maintain order, especially revolutionaries. It is a reminder, the cross is not miraculous. It's a fact. It says your movement will be squashed, your efforts will be in vain, your hopes will come up empty, your plans will not work out. It will seem like the bad guys are always winning. No matter what they say, they can't, their poll numbers still don't drop, even they say the wildest stuff. And they still have power over people we love. But it also says that good news requires a confrontation. 
with the powers of the world. And so this formula of faith that we want is, uh, the problem with it is that it's not just wrong, but it's the wrong reason. It wants a savior for ourselves that doesn't require that confrontation. But there is a tragic beauty of the unglorified cross. The one thing that that formula also leaves out is the resurrection, which you can't understand the cross without the resurrection and uh, vice versa. That in that cross, you can see victory on the other side. That there is a thing, a beautiful struggle. There is a deeper peace on the other end of hardship. And that's why I'm not ready to give up uh, uh, prayers and thoughts, uh, thoughts and prayers. Uh, mainly, well, not mainly, but I don't have much of a career future uh, without them. And so, uh, <laughs> well, job security. Uh, but also that it's not the, prayer, the thoughts and prayers that are the problem, but it's that people thinking that it's, the, it's, it's their thoughts and their prayers, like their little missiles they're sending up, uh, that are going to save them. Instead, that you're praying to something more powerful than you, that that's what's going to change things. It's not our, 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 pie, uh, our personal uh, strength. Um, yeah, it's also, so there is this unglorified cross, and it's not necessarily, I'm not trying to say that we have to, you know, that suffering is necessary, that suffering is no, noble. We don't need sadomasochism. Uh, you know, the, 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 the story is, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know that one? They misquoted the guy. It's actually, what doesn't kill you can F you up real bad. <laughs> so there's things that can really mess you up. But that's not it. But this is the reality. But on the other side of this, of this pain and suffering is a love. Actually, even the word for suffering in, in, in the scripture is, not, is a neutral word. It's not negative or positive. In the context, it's negative. But it means a deep feeling of humanity. That the human one, that Jesus leads us to our deepest humanity. That we can live into it. That we don't run from the problems of the world. But we, uh, we accept the responsibility of being a part of it. Uh, and being responsible to it. On the other side, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Those who have experienced falling in love, who have a love of a friend, a love of a family, love of a community, knows this type of peace. That love, it doesn't give you butterflies, the love we're talking about, but it settles you. Uh, it's what allows Paul to say later in the Bible, death, where is your sting? grave, where is your victory? That we have the power already that actually, if we're willing to die for something, we can't lose. As twisted up that might sound. Uh, that once you, that as Dr. King has said, that if you aren't willing to die for something, you might not be willing to live for anything. And so that's what we're called to, this deeper hope. Yes, the Messiah. Yes, all these things. Yes, all these ways that Jesus is our friend. That Jesus is our brother. Jesus is uh, the priest that leads us along the way. Uh, but also it calls us to something deeper. And none of those names mean anything if we're not willing to answer that call. Amen. Good afternoon, Middle. <laughs> My name is Darren Johnston, and I want to thank you. The week before last, you sent me, Jackie, 
and a delegation from middle down to the American-Mexican border in El Paso, Texas, and Ciudad Juarez in Mexico. What had begun as an interfaith open letter protesting family detention, an action, mind you, that Middle helped to organize and lead, became a coalition of interfaith groups determined to bear witness to what is happening on the border. Witness firsthand the real people effects of dehumanizing and brutal immigration policies, the ones that are being done in our name. But you sent us in your name. You showed up at the border because Middle showed up at the border, and we are one community. We held an interfaith service on both sides of the border fence, faith leaders, activists, and organizers, Jackie praying and speaking, Middle folk in El Paso and Middle folk in Juarez, like you see up there. Middle participated in teach-ins with social workers and those on the front lines. Middle prayed and lamented outside detention centers where families seeking a better life have been locked away in cages. As you heard last week, Middle stood with a young, traumatized migrant family from Guatemala. And while there are still many dangers ahead for them, we negotiated with immigration services to get them across the border into this country, this young pregnant mother, pregnant for four months, and her five-year-old son. You, each of you, give your time and your talent and your treasure. Because Middle couldn't have done any of that without your organizing skills or your financial contributions each week. It takes time and talent to pull together interfaith coalitions. It costs money to fly us down to Texas or get us across the border to Catholic safe houses. But you showed up in person and with your pocketbook. I thank you. And I ask that you continue to do this this week and every week. There is a crisis on our border. Families, kids, beautiful children of God are being treated as if they are less than human, less worthy of love and safety than anyone here. Middle is going to do what we can do to not only tell their stories, but take concrete action on their behalf. And that will cost time, talent, and treasure. And it's even happening in our own backyard. We think the border is down in Texas. We think the border is in Arizona. The border is everywhere. The border is 100, I mean, very technically in the US, the border is 100 miles from the end. And we have a family in our own backyard right now who needs our help. We got an email this morning about a young woman named Aida and her 10-year-old son. Aida has 11 children. Three are under 18. She is in, she's here now because she was fleeing violence in Honduras. She is a refugee, she and her son. She has two other children who are under 10. They are five and six years old. The journey from Honduras to here was too scary. She feared too much for their safety. But she knew that if she stayed that she would die and they would not have a mother. When she arrived in Texas in May, she and her son were separated under family separation. Her son, 10 years old, all by himself, was sent somewhere else to another location. She was separated. They eventually decided that she was actually afraid for her life, and they granted her asylum and reunited her family. They are staying in Queens right now. 
They have temporary housing. It is untenable. They need our help, guys. They have reached out. They need a faith community. She wants a faith community. She needs a faith community. She needs, she and her son need long-term housing. They need a lawyer. They need our prayers, and they need money. So what's going to happen right now is I'm going to ask any of you who have any ideas or any solutions around long-term housing for this woman and her 10-year-old son to talk to myself or Rob or Bertram or any of us after church. If any of you know a lawyer who could do pro bono work for this family, I ask that you also bring that up to us. I ask all of you to hold this family, who, mind you, are indicative of so many families, in your prayers. And I want to also tell you that 10% of the offering from this offering will be going directly to that family and getting them the money that they need because she got asylum, but she cannot work to January because of our rules. So they need our money, y'all. So please think on that and pray on that as we take the offering this week. All you can do has helped and will help and will continue to help. We asked this morning, who do you say Jesus is? I'd say Jesus is this work. El Grito de las Fronteras. Thank you for showing up in it.
ever-loving and holy God, we thank you for these gifts given in love from this community to serve our larger community, all of your children. We thank you for all you have given us and all you are stirring within us to bring about a world of justice and dignity. We pray that you will stand at our shoulders, guiding us as we use these gifts in your name, doing your work, fostering beloved community from the East Village to Ciudad Juarez to Honduras. In your many names we pray. Amen. Let the church say amen. amen. Let the church say amen again. Amen. And thank you, Gospel Choir Ensemble. This is beautiful. It's so wonderful to have you. Thank you, John Cueto and Dion, for that music. Some of you may know that song, that God's got a way that you can't go over. God's got a way that you can't go under. God's got a way you can't go around. You must come in at the door. That there are no shortcuts, uh, what, what Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace. Uh, it's hard, but it's worth it. Now, there's a peace on the other end that where, as Alex saying earlier, that comes from the diaphragm where Jesus can be, where love can be, the center of my joy. I pray that for everyone and for this community. Amen. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.